Well, hey guys, welcome back to the channel. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about in this little session is uh, investing. What does that look like for a Christian? Uh, and the top three mistakes that I see people making. You know, it's, it's pretty topical at the moment, right? I'm filming this, uh, I guess, most of the way through the health pandemic of COVID. Uh, we're coming out the other side at this time. And, uh, and so the markets have been decimated and there's a whole bunch of investors racing into the market and there's like a second pandemic taking place, right? All these people trying to invest and, and things like that. And so it's good, but it can be bad. And so, uh, you know, I get to talk to hundreds and thousands of people all the time. So I just wanted to distill down some of the things I'm seeing, some of the mistakes and how you can avoid them. Uh, so the, the title of the video is The Three Mistakes, but I'm actually gonna sneak in a fourth one at the end. So stick around, because it's gonna be awesome. All right. The first one is this, do not fall for get rich quick schemes, okay? So a lot of people that are investing right now are doing it out of the wrong motivation. They're, they're buying it because you know, it's FOMO, it's fear of missing out, right? They're buying, they're buying investments because they think, oh, I'm gonna miss out on the stock market rallying or the NASDAQ or the, the ASX or wherever you are around the world. It's like, okay, that's, that's probably the wrong motivation. Or people are racing into the property market because they're, they're, they're scared that if there's a dip in the market, they're gonna miss out on that opportunity. It's fundamentally the wrong reason. And, and the way that somebody, if somebody's thinking like that, they're approaching investing the wrong way. They're looking for a quick buck. And um, of course, for some people, they can time it well enough that it works. Um, but you know, like the real estate investing market and the stock market, they love people that, that make those quick decisions because it just eats them and chews out their money and they usually lose and then they've got a hard luck story at the end, right? So we want to get, we want to get away from get rich quick. We, we, we're not trying to back a winning horse here. Uh, we're not, because we, if you approach investing like that, you're punting, you're hoping and that's a really bad way to invest, okay, if you wanna be an investor. My Bible says, Proverbs 13, 11 says this, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gains little by little will increase. That's why I'm not a fan of people out of FOMO just jumping into an investment, because you know, um, you know take, take that as one example, here's another example. We know statistically that 80% of the people that win a lottery or win a huge amount of money end up in a worse position 20, in a 24 month window, two years, right? Why is that? Well, it's the same reason as Proverbs uh, reminds us that wealth gained hastily or dwindle away. It's the same thing, but whoever gains little by little will increase. It's because it's a, it's a headspace, all right? So one of the things that happens is if you don't have the mental maturity to handle the increase, then you will blow it. You'll, it it'll be a, a curse to your life and not a blessing. That's why scripture says, if you gain it little by little, it'll increase because as your wealth increases little by little by little, your mental maturity can keep up with the journey and then you don't blow it on, on stupid things, all right? So, so you are better off to build wealth slowly than you are be part of get-rich-quick schemes. Also, here's a different intent. Uh, 1 Timothy 6, 9 says, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires, it leads to ruin and destruction. That's what can happen if you don't have the mental maturity to handle the increase as it comes. That's why you wanna be making sure that you are getting wealthy little by little, because the Bible tells us that is blessed. Here's what I would say to you, don't try and get rich quick, get rich for sure. And the difference is, take a long-term view, right? Learn about what you're doing. Don't try and race into something. 
okay? Now you might be sitting there thinking, oh, why is he talking about getting rich? I kind of want to preface this. This is not so we can hoard up for ourselves and have all the fine things in, in, in life. If you've watched anything on my channel, you'll know that the reason why we pursue wealth, and I believe the pursuit of wealth is noble, as long as the pursuit of wealth is for others, meaning that we're building an asset base, sure, to look after ourselves and our family, but the main reason why we're trying to build an asset base and invest is so that we can do sustainable giving, so that we can fund projects, fund our churches, fund initiatives, and, and play a part in advancing the kingdom of God. That's the motivation here, right? But if you don't have that and you've got a selfish desire to get rich, then 1 Timothy 6.9 tells you what is likely to happen. So stay away from get-rich-quick schemes, right? I get them pitched to me all the time, right? And, and there's, a, there's a heap of them. You know, I remember years ago there was some Ponzi scheme where you could get in and get a return and get in and get a return. And, and it worked. It, as long as people were putting money in these schemes, it worked incredibly well. And then it all fell over when people got smart and clued on. You know, I remember, you know, I've had people come and pitch to me about, you know, you can do, you can do money betting on liens, right? Where you basically buy debts off other people and then sell them on and make a clip. And like, I've, I've seen all of these things, right? You know, like be involved in this scheme and pay some money and then this thing happens and we'll be able to release some money. And, you're, and I, they've all been pitched to me and mostly by well-meaning Christians, right? You know, we've got Bitcoin, you know, and people tell me, you got to get in there because there's going to be some money and all these kind of trading crazy things. And they're not, you know, and, and all those people, by the way, like all those people that came to me and pitched these ideas, they got another one next month, another one next month, another one next month, and they've never actually built any wealth or any assets. If you're enjoying this, by the way, do me a favor, please hit the subscribe button, uh, and then you'll get all the future episodes that come out, right? So I get pitched these things all the time, and my answer is no. I'd rather build a machine, a system, a, a way of acknowledging it, and build my wealth slowly over the rest of my life. That's how you have sustainable wealth. That's how you end up with a pool of good assets. That's how you can you know, give away your yield right, consistently, and it doesn't chew into the asset base, right? So just do this thing slowly. Number two is don't be lazy. Right, so um, here's an interesting story from scripture that you would have heard me talk about before if you've watched something else. I'm fascinated with the story of the minas, right? Guy goes away to a faraway land to get his inheritance. He gives 10 minas to 10 people and says, trade until I come back. And we know that this is a story of using our gifts and talents during our life here on earth. But I guess the subplot here is that when he comes back, he asks the people to give an account. Seven never show up. Only three give an account. One says, I turned my meter into 10. One says, I turned it into five. Both of those people, he says, well done. But there's one that says, I hid it in the ground and I did nothing with it and here's your meter back. And, uh, and that person there, they were lazy, okay? Do not be a lazy investor. You need to learn. You need to learn before you earn. Listen, the, all these things are risky. Okay, but the, the opposite of risk is knowledge. The more knowledge you have in an area, the less risky it is in an area. So what I would suggest to you, and the mistake most people make, is they don't learn it, right? They don't take the time to study a strategy. They don't get knowledge around it, right? Because let's face it, you could do, you could do real estate investing, you could do stock market investing, you could do buying businesses. And within each of those, there's you know, many choices. You could flip houses, you could do multi-res, you could do units, you could do houses, you could do long-term, right? So there's lots of different strategies. And by the way, all of them will end up being pretty much the same at the end of your life, right? The problem is, is that people do it, they either don't educate themselves or they do a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one, a little bit of this one, and they never get mastery over one of them to do them well enough. 
Don't be lazy like the guy with one meaner. You've got to learn strategies. For me, my strategy has always been, probably will always be, is long-term holding residential investments. Why? Because they're the things that take the least amount of time. Once I've bought it, I can do nothing with it, right, for 25 years. My kids will bulldoze them and build new ones. That's what I want because it suits my lifestyle. So I know that intimately. And within there, I know suburbs. I know how to walk into a suburb and know this house is worth five grand more than this house because of these differences, right? That level of mastery means I don't have risk, okay, when I go and do that. But if I was to start doing some other strategy, flipping houses, I'd be terrible at it because I don't know what it costs to do reno to make sure you're locking your capital. I just don't know that. Now, I could learn it, but I've got a strategy. What I'm gonna say to you is, like learn, learn, learn. Go deep in one strategy and pursue it like really, really well because then the more knowledge you've got around that, the less risk, the more you can be on the front foot, the more you can be aggressive in the way that you do your deals and life will be better for you, right? So do not be a lazy investor. Make sure that you are learning. It's a, it's a, it's a skill base. You're, you're doing it. You're, you're reading about it. You're attending courses. You're, you're going to seminars, whatever you want to do, but get the knowledge because that's what's going to mean that you don't burn money. All right, the third mistake that I want to talk to you about is people that eat their seed. Right, they eat the capital. Okay, let's talk. Let's say they eat their yield. Okay, so buy a piece of real estate. That piece of real estate will go up, down, and sideways over its life in value, but the rental yield that comes off it is very consistent. Okay, so go back to shares. You buy shares in a in a company, and if you buy a managed fund, you don't get this luxury. But if you directly buy portions of businesses and shares, then you get a dividend. Right, so you still hold the value in the business, but you get a dividend every single six months or year or however they pay out. The mistake most people are making when it comes to investing is at the start of their investing journey, the numbers are quite small, the yields are small, right? So, you know, if you if, let's say you've put ten thousand dollars in the stock market, just to use an example, you're only going to get four hundred dollars probably in yield. If you've bought a, you know, if you've bought a a $500,000 investment property, just picking a round figure, then you're probably only gonna get 25 grand a year in rent, right, which is two grand a month. So the mistake that most people are making is they don't value the little bits at the start of the journey, and what they do is they take them. They take them and they live off them, right? They're living off the yield, they're living off the rent, instead of investing it back in. So I just quickly did some numbers for you to kind of show you the compound effect difference between leaving the yield in the system to make you more money and taking it out. So I just used some random numbers here, right? I said, if we start with $10,000, if we start with $10,000 and we invest it over 20 years, yes, that should be the minimum you're thinking. If we take $10,000, we invest it over 20 years and I've just thrown in a 7% return, right? Which is somewhere between what you get in the stock market and real estate just for fun, right? So here's what happens. If you leave that $10,000 in for 20 years, but you take the yield every year, 700 bucks, right? People think, that's nothing, I'll just take it and I'll buy some handbags or some cars or da da Once you take that 700 and you take it back into your own life and it gets washed out with all your expenses, you can never reinvest that 700. And you're sitting there thinking, who cares? It's 700, you can't retire off 700. I know, but here's what happens when you leave it in there, okay? If you leave it in there 
and you comp, so at the end of year one, you get your 700 and you put it back in. Now you get 7% of 10,700. Take that and you leave it back in, right? So in, in, in scenario number one, you invest 10 grand and you eat the 700 bucks a year out of that money. At the end of 20 years, you've got $10,000, right? You probably got less because inflation would have eroded it, but you got $10,000. If you actually leave the yield back in and let it compound, at the end of that 20 years, you don't have 10,000, you've got 40,387. So 4X, 4X the outcome, right? If you just leave the yield back in to compound over time. But how about this? I kind of did that scenario and said, if I leave the yield in, plus I add $1,000 a month, all right, so I've got to have something on the side that produces me money, ideally a business. So I take my 10 grand, I'm leaving the yield to compound, and I'm adding $1,000 a month, right? Hardly, hardly a big deal here, right? We should be able to build businesses that can produce a grand that we don't need and put it into here. If you do that, so the first scenario, 10 grand at the end of 20 years. The second scenario, $40,387 if at the end of 20 years. If you actually add a grand a month over that period of time, you will have more than $561,000. Yes, that's right, more than half a million dollars by starting with 10 grand, reinvesting the yield, and adding $1,000 a month into that asset pool. We're talking here about 10 grand, 40 grand, 561. We're talking about that actually moves the needle. So what's the mistake? The mistake is at the start of the journey, at the start of the compounding curve, people don't value the little bits. And so they take them out and they live off them. Listen, if you do that, you are absolutely jeopardizing the future, right? And you do not want to be doing that. You want to make sure that when you get that seed come out of your investing, you put it back in and compound it, okay? That's how you build a portfolio that is big enough that you can give forever. You know, imagine being able to say to your church, hey, listen, I'm going to be able to give you $50,000 this year and you don't have to sell the asset to do it. It just comes off and you can give it. And that means next year you can go back to your church and say, I'll give you $50,000 and you've still got the asset, okay? So do not eat the yield that comes out of your investing. Find another way to get that money. Leave that back in the mix to make you more. And the fourth one, I said I'd give you an extra one. The fourth mistake that people make is they get greedy when it comes to investing. Listen, I'm all interested in the kingdom of God. What that means is God is never going to prosper you and bring you a phenomenal opportunity if it's at the expense of one of his other children. What do I mean by that? I literally know people who have sat in front of me and said, God has really blessed me in my life. And then they tell me stories about how they screwed some old lady to buy an investment property. She thought it was worth 300,000. He knew it was worth 400,000. So he offers her 270. She thinks she got close to the deal, right? She later finds out that she got ripped off by another Christian. So she's thinking we're all hypocrites like normal. And he's there going, the Lord blessed me. Listen, that's not a deal from the Lord, right? That's a deal from the enemy just so that, so that more people think that we're hypocrites because, and rightly so, we fleeced the lady. Listen, it's never going to be that you prosper at the expense of somebody else, all right? So when you do this investing thing, if you're thinking I'm going to screw somebody down and get a good deal, just understand that wasn't God that, that gave you that deal. That is not advancing the kingdom of God at all. What is advancing the kingdom of God is finding out what they need, paying it, even if it doesn't make sense, and understanding the Lord will bring the next opportunity to prosper you. That way you do well and they do well, everybody does well. See, the long-term play here is if we start screwing everybody, we've only got to fund their welfare anyway, so all the money we made ends up going back to them in the end anyway, right? So we've got to get away from that 
strategy. By the way, um, here's a question for you. Put it in the comments below. Are you investing? Simple question, yes or no. Put that in the comments below. I kind of want to get a gauge on my audience. How many of you are actively investing right now? I'll tell you a very quick story. I bought an investment property in 2010 and um, you know, and I saw it in the paper and uh, me and Kimberly went to look at it and we liked it and so we did our due diligence on the price and things like that and we realized you know, it was a good deal. We went away to pray about how much we should offer and we were hoping that we would go away and, and then come back together and we'd have the same number. It didn't work like that. We had a number that was close but, but not the same. And I said to Kimberly, I think maybe we're supposed to offer the first amount and settle on the second amount. So that's what we did. Anyway, during the negotiation, um, you know, we found out that they were believers, which was amazing. And we had, a, we had a, an agent who was not a believer. And this is how it went. During the negotiations, we basically got stuck on a point. And I said, listen, I don't, I don't want to fight over little bits here. God's my provider. I said, can you go back to the owners and say, how much money do you need to be able to sell this property and have enough money to be able to do what you need to do next? And they came back with a price and we looked at it and we said, okay, that's, that, that works for us as well. We'll just settle on that much money. Anyway, that blew them away. They came back to us and said, hey, listen, by the way, um, we've got this whole garage full of stuff that we think your kids might like. Would you like us to include it in the deal? We're like, that would be amazing. And so we said, yes. So we added that in. Then we found out about a month later, when we're just before about to settle, that their child had cancer and was very sick. And them moving away from this house would mean that they had you know, hours of travel to get to the hospital. We said, hey guys, why don't you live in our house? Right, we don't want you to you know, ripped out of your, you know, your house and, and have to move during this. Stay in our house rent free for four, six weeks, whatever you need, we're, we're covered. And then you can just keep taking your child to hospital. And then when that's all finished, you can move out and then we'll move in. They said, would you do that for us? Of course we would. And I had the agent bawling her eyes out saying, I've never ever seen two parties that care about each other so much who actually want to prefer each other in a transaction. And she was crying in her room and I just said, listen, we're both full of the Holy Ghost. We, we just want to honor each other and she could not believe it. That's just an example of what I mean, right? See, the Lord has prospered me, not because I screwed old ladies or, or, or found deals, but because I was interested in both parties. And I would say to you that that's the biggest mistake most people are making. They live in a transactional world where they're trying to steal from each other. They think that somebody has to lose for they to win. Listen, it's not like that in the kingdom of God. All right, in the kingdom of God, we're not all eating out of one pie. You know, the one pie theory is for me to have more, somebody has less. Listen, in the kingdom of God, God will make more pies. So subscribe. If you enjoyed that, hit the subscribe button and the bell and you'll get all the alerts when we put out a future episode. Uh, make sure you answer my question for me and I'll see you real soon.